cutting edge revolutionary technology out there, uh, specifically narrow and wide web printers. A myth right now is that really high quality print is gonna be some kind of a litho. Yeah, I love this show, man. So we have a lot of new products. How kids have a career path, tremendous opportunities for them to grow through their career path. To me, it's a game changer. Welcome to Ink and Updates, your touch point for the flexographic industry. Stay informed about industry news and advertise your business or service to the community. Hello and welcome back to Ink and Updates, the podcast brought to you by Interactive Inks and Coatings. I'm your host, Craig Tanarla, and with me today, as usual, is Tom Brennan, our customer service manager. If you are new to Ink and Updates, uh, what we do here is assemble and filter industry news, more or less focusing on the flexographic industry, but also branching out into anything associated with the printing industry in general. And we just talk about the things that we find interesting each month. In addition to that, we also have industry professionals join the show to talk about their products, services, or their general specialty in the industry. So if you would like to join us on the show or simply have some questions that you want answered, head on over to interactiveinks.com and get a hold of us through the Contact Us page. There are no costs associated with joining the show. We simply ask that you have a little fun while you're here. To that end, uh, today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Andy Gillis, the general manager at a company called Provident. So Andy, if you could simply uh, start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your company. Hi, I'm uh, Andy Gillis. I'm the general manager with Provident. And uh, we are a company located in Appleton, Wisconsin, and we really uh, specialize in ink performance and ink management solutions uh, for the press room. So what are some of your main products? Uh, our main uh, product, we're very narrowly focused uh, on two, two main items. Uh, one is a, a doctor blade uh, and end seals. And so that makes up about... Uh, you know, 80 to 85% of our, our total sales as a company. So we're, we're narrowly focused on those two things and really driving uh, press room performance, uh, ink waste, uh, things like that through, through the use of our solutions. Okay, Andy. So um, just for the audience's sake, can you tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, how you got to be where you are now? Sure. Um, I've uh, had the good fortune of uh, growing up in a Flexo household. My father uh, was uh, with PCMC up in Green Bay, uh, selling flexo presses for the better part of 30 years. Um, I entered that business when I was uh, 24 years old, wow. and uh, so I've been uh, and I, I sold various, you know, central impression, inline uh, presses uh, to flexible packaging, uh, narrow web, uh, various types of applications. So I did that for 15 years. Uh, I also spent some brief time with a printer, uh, kind of getting them set up um, as a print division. And then uh, I've been with uh, Provident the last four years, actually. This this month is... So you two guys have really a lot in common. You actually grew up in the Flexo business, you know, as basically kids and said, I want to do what dad does for a living, right? Yeah, you know, uh, I saw it afforded my family a really nice uh life um and um saw that the rewards were there uh sure. to put in the hard work and and um you know as a young man you know you get kind of confused as to what you want to do the, with the rest of your life right and yeah it was just a a natural thing i thought what, what my dad did was pretty cool yeah i mean i didn't grow up thinking that i was going to be in the ink business i could i can tell you that but uh you know i just fell into it one day uh and the owner of this company actually said, well, you want to be in ink business? Great. See those pumps over there? You need to go get, get those cleaned out. That was my very first job in the ink business. 
was cleaning out nasty pumps. So yeah. So who is uh who's your typical customer? What's your target market? Who who are you trying to sell to? And and your main products you mentioned were doctor blades and, and assembly pumps, things like that. Yeah, anything flexo or gravure. We happen to have a good share of our business that resides in wide web flexible packaging, but uh, we do have a number of narrow web flexo and some uh, gravure printing and laminating coating counts as well. So anybody that is you know printing flexo or gravure is somebody we can help uh, with our products and our our application of our products. Okay, so what would be like a typical problem? You walk into a press room, some of the typical mis- mistakes that some of the pressmen are making? Yeah, I mean, uh, as, as you guys know, and maybe you've talked about on other podcasts, uh, our industry is facing a skilled labor problem. Sure. Oh, yeah, so, we've, had, we've had several podcasts about yeah, that. So yeah, so we, we, we see a lot of things. Our whole sales team is uh, former uh, press room people, operators, supervisors, engineers. Um, every one of our guys is from that background. I didn't hire salespeople, traditional salespeople, because we wanted our guys to really get into the press room, speak the language, know what the pressure points of the business are, and know how to uh, bring real life solutions to to the problem. So we see um, everything from setting the decks wrong to doctor blades and end seals that are ill-fitting, that are causing a lot of uh, ink waste. We see, you know, analogs that aren't clean, causing, you know, uh, retoning of inks on press and a lot of sure. t- a lot of press time being wasted. So, you know, the products we sell, sometimes some people uh, view them as commodities, but there's real big dollars attached to when you don't get our stuff right. And so, a lot of the conversations we're having are uh, bringing it back to make money, save money, and showing customers how the application of our products need to be really dialed in for your process and then also showing operators what are the best practices that we see we'll even write up sops we'll do uh, video instructions on how to properly set up a chamber so it's a video that can stay there with the customer and as they get new employees in it's it's on a library that they can they can access and and revisit so you know we do a lot of that uh type of work you know work anybody can sell you a doctor blade or nco and there's companies out there that do that you know we're, we're the total solution where we're saying not only do we have you know the world-class products but we have the people that back it up and we're really looking at our stuff as as true partnership yeah we've uh i mean we've talked about uh you know doing the video it's all about training your customer right and making sure that they're using your products or any product as as efficiently uh, as possible. We do a lot of, like you said, just training, just being there to help you work through the problem. Uh, I mean, I think it's fantastic. I was just watching uh, two of your videos this morning. And the thing is, is that I can watch those videos as many times as I want. I can have a customer, uh, a new hire come in and watch those videos as many times as they want. And if I'm a little slow on picking it up, I can watch it. Nobody knows that I'm watching it. And yet, you know, I'm getting the information and everybody gets the same message, right? So those are really fantastic. Yeah, my favorite analogy was always, you know, I could buy you a table saw, but that's not going to make you a carpenter type of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can have the best equipment in the world, but if you don't know how to properly use, utilize it on a daily basis and how to deploy it properly, 
uh, then you're not going to get very far. So it sounds like you're selling a product and a service yeah. where not only are we going to um, give you these products, but we're going to show you how to use them. We're going to train you on an ongoing basis. We're going to create a relationship moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, we recognize that sometimes the internal voices within a company get a little old. And so we represent an outside voice. And even though we can come in and say the same thing that the, the management's been saying, uh, sometimes the operators will listen to us because we're not we're not the right. The you don't have any politics every day. involved in it, right? So, um, and and you know, we bring outside uh, experience, right? We we never uh, give away any trade secrets, but you know, we say, hey, these are you know what what we see as best practices sure. uh, being done. So, tips or tricks uh, that that we we can um, expose are always re- really appreciated and helpful. And you know, our guys are are built to to be in the press room, and they're built to you know, our, our guys, you know, will sit and clean ink with, with people. Yeah, and, right. and part of that's just building trust and, sure. and showing that, you know, we're You're a resource. For yeah. That. We're, we're not afraid to do that type of right. stuff. Absolutely. So who came up with, who started Provident? How did, who, who, who saw the, you know, the niche in the market to say, I think we could make a business at this. Yeah. Provident uh, is 20 years old. Um, and was started by Dave Allen and Mark Van Denden, okay. uh, two two industry, longtime industry uh, guys. They sold the business to uh, Anderson Vreeland, okay. who is our parent company. Okay. So we're we're owned by them. Uh, we operate as a separate company. Uh, we have our own direct sales, uh, as well as we give Anderson Vreeland the ability to sell our products as well. Nice. So really, you know, Dave and Mark uh, started it. Really laid the groundwork as a premier uh, solutions-based uh, ink management performance company. So, um, you know, all the props to them for how they how they built the company and positioned it differently than some of the other choices in the market. Again, I think it's fantastic. You got 20, 20 years in the business and you guys are going strong. I see, I mean, I literally see you guys everywhere. Uh, the videos that you have online, your website that you guys put together is uh, fantastic and it's a teaching tool. I think you even have a return on investment for Dr. Blaze. I think we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, that's great. So plastic or metal, why? What's the difference between the two? That's the great debate now, right? Is that... <laughs> uh, well, uh, so the way we see that, uh, first of all, plastic is is, um, is kind of a catch-all term. There's, there's really uh, different materials. There's polyesters, there's mylars, there's UHMWs, there's synthetics. So... Um, we believe that there there are applications where those um, uh, are the best solution. Sure. Um, and again, you know, understanding the differences between those materials. So, um, you know, a lot of laminated, uh, corrugated uh, type work. Uh, narrow web uh, seems to respond real well uh, to that. And um, so there, there's there's definitely a niche. Uh, I would say for the market that we're currently in. Uh, wide web flexible packaging is still predominant. Um, there is, however, some momentum around um, uh, hand injuries in our in our marketplace. Uh, okay. For most printers, uh, their number one cause of uh, injury in the plant is is hand injuries related to like lacerations. Know, the, yeah, the the mishandling of of a doctor of blade. a worn doctor blade. So you know we help with SOPs. Uh, we even have uh, blade disposal units that will help uh, dispose of, of blades uh, safely. 
but uh, we, we believe there's a, there's a, there's a place for both. Um, it's about knowing the right application for the right, um, the right blade. I mean, there's obviously a, a relationship between the doctor blade and the analogs, right? Yeah. And w- even the, so talk about a little bit about, you know, what that relationship is between materials that analogs are made out of, or, uh, maybe even, um, the size of the analogs and, and, and what blade is right for which. Yeah, so a lot of the application comes down to understanding what is the customer printing, okay. uh, what line screens they're using on their analog rolls. Um, you know, we, we tend to say as a general rule of thumb, anything below our, a seven or 800 line analog roll is really uh, just a round tip uh, blade. Uh, you don't need a, a lamella or a bevel profile. There are exceptions to everything that we do, but sure. a round tip blade will give you kind of the most value for your money, most material to wear. So you're uh, saying that generally speaking, I might have a different set of doctor blades where they're imprinting a highline process work. Yes. And then towards the end of the press, I have two spot colors that are going to have a completely different setup. Yeah. That, and that's, you know, we're, we're getting away for the one for all mentality. Sure. Um, you know, we're teaching people that they're really doing a 1200 line analogs roll injustice if they're putting a round tip blade on there. They're not getting the best possible ink control because what it comes down to is what is the contact patch uh, of that blade on the analogs roll. And so when you get into the finer screen analogs rolls, which you're, you know, you're doing finer line print or, or high definition graphics, you want to make sure that you're really controlling the the, the how ink. much ink is on how that. much ink is being delivered how much you know the the metering of that ink so you have very precise control with those those types of blades so yeah you know we're telling people hey look um, for your whites uh, we have coated blades that will hold up to the the titanium uh, dioxide and in, in the white inks and and you know think about putting that in uh, and and seeing if you can get extended life over that deck if you're always printing white. Um, and then really looking at your line screens and the type of work that you are printing and be able to mix and match your process colors from your line colors. So how does that get received by the, the customer? I mean, you know, you got some old school guys out there yeah. who've been, you know, I've, I've been printing for 30 years. You're not going to tell me anything new, yeah. right? And so, you know, how do you go about do you have to prove that to them? Do you have to be like, hey, uh, we're going to use the, this type of doctor blade on these three stations and then this one on the fine one and then we're going to yeah, compare gonna say, jobs? I mean, you can, you know, this industry has so many variables as it is. Right. So I can imagine right. it'd be like hard sell. So now you're talking about even adding another variable to the to the mix here and saying, well, not only you're going to match your inks with your doctor blades, basically, or your analogs with your doctor blades. And now I need a special coded doctor blade for to run on my white yeah so i'll i'll share a story with you and this is this is what we see uh, a fair amount in it and it's our job to effectively tell the story right and be mindful that people have long-standing legacy experience but we were uh at a printer so uh they're printing high def uh high definition graphics right high 1200 line analog roll and he's using a round tip steel blade and he says, but I always have to stop. We get dirty print. 
and we're stopping the press to clean the plates well, a lot. They call the guy like me and say, hey. <laughs> right. All right, they blame the ink. First thing they do Your is sucks, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but we're able to say, look, if you use this, if your, your blade's wrong for your application, you wouldn't have to, you know, sometimes people don't know they're sick, right? right? They, they're, sure. they, they just live with, right, to, to that plant and that person, they were just living with stopping the press every right. 30 minutes to clean dirty print. Wow. They, they, Nobody had ever talked to them about your application is wrong here, and here's what we can do to fix it. Yeah. And so uh, there is a lot of prove it, right? You know, sure. show me, don't tell me. Uh, we do uh, sample our products. Uh, but, you know, our, our guys can immediately, um, if we can get the conversation going um, to understand, hey, tell me about a typical day here. Tell me the things that you fight on press. Sure. Right. And it's cause and effect. Right. Learning their business. Yeah. Helps you with yours. I right. Mean, that's just the way, you know, I I'm a big proponent of you know, just, we've been doing this. We've this is the way we've always done it. Well, the most dangerous words in business. Correct. Yeah. It's the most dangerous words. I mean, this industry changes every two to five years. OK. Something new is coming out. Some, you know, it's getting faster. Guys are running leaner. Uh, I think we talked about we. We walk into customers and we see ink pail after ink pail after ink pail that have been there for 20 years. I'm like, why are you still holding on to this? I know it's, I know it works, but you need to work that off. It's money sitting on the shelf, right? So same conversation. Hey, your press runs a thousand feet a minute, and you're stopping every 30 minutes. We can show significant savings. That is very real, and that I would sign my name on. Like sure. you'll, you'll see immediate savings. That seems to, to help more case studies that we can say, look, uh, company A did this, company B did this, here's, here's where the results were. And so we just, we try to create uh, ROI information, uh, marketing stuff where people can really uh, insert their own personal story and just understand it on a very high level. I think it'd be great if they were reading one of your testimonies or one of your stories and then they, they go, hey, that's us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, we get uh, and, you know, just like any business, uh, purchasing gets very hung up on the unit cost of what something costs. And they don't kind of extrapolate it out to what it's costing their business. Right. Um, and so, you know, we we can put things in front of customers that that says, actually, if you use a fifteen dollar blade that lasts four days versus a five dollar blade that you're only getting 24 hours out of your money ahead in a month. But, you Doesn't know... Doesn't come back right back around to training? I don't think the press operator might not know that that's a $15 blade and throw it away every 24 hours anyway. <laughs> yes, that, that, that is true. You have to have the culture and the training to, to, to accept that. Uh, but we do see a big disconnect uh, sometimes in companies between the procurement group and what's really happening on the floor. You know, people are living with damaged analog rolls. They're they're fighting that to try to get quality print out, um, you know, using inferior quality stuff. Yeah, they're frustrated. They're right. frustrated, right? So sometimes we're the conduit between those two groups, and um, it's just part, part of the job. Yeah, it's great. Let's talk about the technology that, that goes into, I mean, obviously you have a lot of uh, different materials that the blades are made out of. First of all, do you manufacture your own blades? You know, how, did you, how do you decide what materials a blade should be made out of? Yeah, so we, uh, our steel orig originates from Sweden. There's um, a, a large 
largest part of the industry recognizes that Swedish deal for what we uh, applied for is the best in the world. So the okay. the Swedes have the purest um, the purest steel, the 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 cold rolling, the forming of the steel. They just have refined that process better than anybody else in the world. Um, so and there's two mills in Sweden, okay. um, and we we get from one of the mills that's really regarded as you know if they're one A and one B, we we buy from one A. Okay. So the material uh, comes to us uh, to Appleton in uh, master coils um, that we then produce down to cut blades. We notch and apply foam tape. Uh, we're the originators of that that patent of putting foam tape on a blade to to get a very nice even seat area to kind of keep ink from working up into the clamp area. So we still enjoy a lot of lot of business, even though the patent has has run out we still enjoy it because we're the originators of sure. that and right there's more engineering and technology than maybe what it looks like so we process that all in appleton uh, but we do have the steel come from europe and our european partners it, you know there's very few customers they have that, like dr blade town i mean what's well, new <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're, the mills are in the middle of the forest of sweden right they're not uh they're not garden spots, but, you know, they're very good at what they do. And, and the other thing uh, why we believe our steel is, is better is it comes down to the refinement of the particle size. So the, the smaller the particles, the tighter everything fits together when you're, you're making the base material. And so what that means is when you're wearing against an analog roll, everything is, is wearing evenly. The, you know, smaller the particles, the better, the more pure the steel the nicer it is on an analog roll, and and you know the consistency of the material is important. The material is straight, which you want on an analog sure. roll and on press. There's uh, very consistent in the in the thickness uh, of the material. So all that lends to you know treating the analog rolls very well, which we think you know that's the heart of any printing process is as is the analog rolls, how those are treated and cared for will determine how you print. Okay, so uh, maybe you could tell our customers or just talk about why you use a chamber-bladed system, uh, advantages, disadvantages. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the flexible process, you wanna uh, deliver ink to the, to the dots on the plate, right? And your analogs helps um, and is sized for that application. Um, and again, it's not putting on more uh, and, and creating, you know, other problems. Um, it's, it's about putting on the right amount. So, uh, the enclosed chambers have really helped people push up press speeds. Um, you know, even on the narrow web presses that we see now, you know, running 750 or a thousand feet a minute, you know, they're not, they're not able to achieve that with a two roll system, right? right? If you're still printing at a hundred or 200 feet a minute with a two roll system, Chances are you're getting your lunch taken by someone else mm -hmm. that has oh, know, better, better ink technology. So uh, I wouldn't suspect that anybody, you know, would or could justify ordering, you know, a high, a newer technology press and not have it on it. Even if you have an older presses, there's companies out there like FIT and Harrison Bruno and, and Absolute. They'll they'll come in and retrofit uh, chambers for you and and uh, you know help you get your your press more productive. Uh, and again, it's it's the waste that they're probably experiencing in ink. Um, 
you know, and, and other areas of their business, uh, you know, you know, dirty print and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we see it as, uh, a must have, uh, going forward. And, you know, if I was running a company, I I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have any. What kind of, I mean, do you see any issues in the, you know, what are, what's a typical problem with a, a customer? Okay. Let's say they got chamber uh, blades on their press today's day one yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot of problems i mean it's it's uh the pumping of the ink to okay. the chamber and the return of the ink um and getting that balance uh, some presses have a a push pull system uh with two pumps some presses have a uh push the ink to the chamber and let the ink gravity return about, yeah. um so um if you have a push pull system there can be uh, starvation issues, and, sure. and if you're not pumping up at the rate of speed uh, that you need to for the proper flow, uh, you know, to have the ink uh, fill the cells of the analogs roll for the press speeds that you're running, uh, th- those are all issues. It's the the getting the pressure right uh, of the chamber on the analogs roll, um, knowing that you know, just like the relationship of the print plate to the substrate, you know, a kiss impression, uh, less is more, you know, that's the same relationship that we want with the chamber to the analog roll. We want to find what's the minimum pressure that we can properly meter and get a seal on the ends with the uh, end seals. So that's, that's all the, um, it's a, it's a great day to have both provident and interactive on site at the same at, on the same day right yeah i mean that, that's the to thing have that relationship so yeah from an ink standpoint absolutely because i tell you <laughs> what um a lot of the on-site technical support these days is getting uh the the pressure right because these pumps that pump these things up especially if you're talking about a ci press central impression words it's pumping this ink up way up to the decks up there you know the first issue that you're dealing with is of course the viscosity of the ink and, and the foaming issues that could cause mm-hmm. that which of course uh can add to starvation of the analogs but also, the pressure, I was on press, uh, I think in Indiana, a couple of years back. This press was running 1,000 feet a minute, and I think it was printing on a liner. And so we had to get the viscosity down to something like 25 on a, on a number two Zon cup, very, very thin. Okay, not, not much thicker than water, essentially. The, this is a wide web press. I think it was, uh, I don't know, certainly about six feet wide. Printing at 1,000 feet a minute, they cranked up the, the pressure on the pumps and I, I got a scariest moment i was standing there watching this stuff go and one of the doctor blades blew out mm-hmm. and it sounded i don't even know like a gunshot going off yep. it was the loudest <laughs> thing i've ever heard i jumped out of my shoes and i was like oh my god please tell me i did not do something wrong because of course i'm here as an ink technician i'm trying to solve their problems and and uh and you have black ink everywhere and, oh it was red oh. and it was a fountain and it was spraying six, 10 feet up in the air, um, it, you know, so anyway, so the pressure on these doctor blades, there's obviously a limitation to what they can handle before they blow out. Mm-hmm. That was my first experience with that. I've never seen them blow out since, actually, so it's only mm-hmm. happened to me once. Is there, is there any idea, so anyway, not, not to get off the point, but yes, absolutely, the, the pumps, the returns, and all of that has a lot to do with, of course, um, you know, not starving the analogs, defoaming, getting your viscosity right, making sure your pump's proper, but also those type of things when you're dealing with water-based inks, it prevents... Uh, the enclosed doctor blades prevents the evaporation of the amines that are in the ink mm-hmm, system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're allowing your ink systems to run longer without having to, to, to adjust uh, vis- viscosity, pH, and things like that. Is there like a limited pressure that you know that these things can handle before, like a PSI, before they're going to blow out? 
Um, well, so you could say, Hey, that's not a good idea. Right. You get like, you get to a certain point, like you could turn the pump up to here and then there's going to be a red line after here because you're in danger of really causing a mess. Is there anything like that? So you're talking uh, pump pressure. We, we look at the pressure of the, the chamber loaded against the roll. Okay. Um, I don't know how to answer that on the pump pressure. Um, I, you know, we, we mostly look at, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look at that too, if there's other uh, ink issues going on. And our, I'm sure one of our guys could answer it better than me. I just, I just don't know the immediate answer. But on the presses, the loading of the chamber, you know, the European uh, manufacturers will talk in terms of bar, uh, the, the U.S. guys will talk in terms of PSI. But, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, three bar which is really loaded up, and it really should be at one, one and a half bar. Um, we, we recently had a customer tell us, hey, I can, I can run your blades forever. I don't wear, the tip doesn't wear. <laughs> and we're like, and he, this is like on a brand new CI press, very you know, modern state-of-the-art press. And we're like, that doesn't make sense. He's like, yeah, I can, I can handle it, no problem. I don't get cut. He had the chamber loaded in so hard he had the blade bent over and was running on the side of the blade, right? So, if, so he never was right. using the tip. It was bent over to wow. where it was just running on the side. And I'm going, you weren't metering. Like, how did you, how did you print? Like, how? Right. That guy over there, he's never worn out a Dr. Blade in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you know, you're not only talking about increasing the life of your Dr. Blades, but increasing the life of your analogs because I can't imagine yeah. that that's – doing good things to the analogs you could score it uh, any number of things but even just wearing it out yeah i don't know how fast they're printing but you're probably significantly reducing the life of your analogs by doing something like that and you might and i guess you might not even know that you know you might have a pressman out there they don't even know they're doing it the the basic principle is the blade is supposed to be just under the hardness of the ceramic uh coating of an analogs roll right uh usually that's measured in vickers right so if an analogs roll is 57 Vickers, a Dr. Blade's going to be, you know, around uh, 48 to 50, right? So the Dr. Blade is meant to wear first. And even the, the coated blades or the, you know, what you'll, you'll hear as ceramic tipped blades, that's still just under what the, the hardness rating of a, a ceramic coating is on the analog roll. Right. So the blade wears, not the... Yeah, it's meant to be the, the wear point. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we see uh, people that don't run filters and magnets. Um, we see people that will buy inferior. Uh, we had one customer in the southeast uh, switch to a, a blade that is uh, from our competitor. It's flame hardened. Uh, so what it does is it changes the property of the steel. It, it, it colors the edge, but also it makes it very brittle and you can get it to chip off. And then if you don't have filters and magnets, that cycles back through and gets caught behind the blade. And now you're... Analogs are scored. You're something. scoring. You're something. scoring. Okay. So before we move any forward, I was uh, just checking out your website here. And I noticed that um, defect flagging, you have a number of frequently asked questions revolving around that. So what is web flagging? What is this equipment? You have a, uh, a business relationship with Novation Incorporated? Yep. Uh, we're a distributor partner uh, with them. And um, it's a piece of equipment that um, goes on press, um, and uh, it's a push-button technology where it'll automatically fire a flag into the roll where you have uh, print quality defects or, or, you know, a reason to 
uh, check, you know, have the inspection uh, department check uh, a certain section of the roll. Uh, previous to that, if you've ever been in a press room where they don't have that and they have to flag a roll, you will see a human being crawl into a rewind at a moving press and put a uh, post-it note, a piece of tape. Uh, very dangerous. There's been there's been deaths and serious injuries in our yeah. our industry uh, with that. And so um, it's it's a safety it's a safety sure. thing. And you can tie it to an inspection camera, right? So if the uh, an, an automated inspection system picks up a defect, it'll send a signal to the flagger, fire a flag that you know that's where the bad product starts, and then you can tell it throw another flag where you're back to printing printing good. So you're distributing these products, yes? Or, uh, okay, yep. So, okay. Yep. We're a reseller for Novation. Okay. Distribu so, distributor. So do you install, train, all the rest of it? Uh, actually, customers will install. It's a pretty simple piece uh, to install. Novation will help if if uh, there's any question about where to place it on the press. Okay. Um, you can supply them drawings, and they'll they'll engineer uh, that and just kind of give you a location or what they think is best. Uh, but most uh, maintenance staffs at at our customers can can install that. The wiring is is very simple. Um, so. You know, we, we support it. Uh, we'll answer any questions. Uh, like I said, our guys are, are very technical, but mostly customers install it with the support of Provident okay. Innovation. So if I pronounce this correctly, Troika Systems? Uh, Troika. Troika Systems. Yep. You have another business relationship with them. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so this is a, a really nice product for us. And, and outside of blades and end seals, we, we sell the most um, – uh, product of Troika, um, and it's a it's a cell volume analysis tool. So it can be used on gravure rolls, analog rolls, and what it it does is it it basically tells you what's going on on the analog roll with with those cells. Are the cells clean? What's what do the cell walls look like? Um, and it's really used as a uh, the top printers that are buying these are using these as a QA tool. And so as analox rolls are coming off a press, they get cleaned, some by hand, some by machines, and then they get re-read uh, by the QA department to say, this analox roll that was a 1,000 line, you know, 1.9 is now really behaving as a, as a 1,000 line, you know, 1.4. They can re-tag the roll so when the operators go to set up a job, they're not grabbing a roll that they think is a 1.9 volume. Sure. And, and so then it comes down to uh, press time being wasted, right? So when we look at presses, the, the press hour bills out anywhere from, you know, 250 all the way up to 1000 bucks an hour. So each hour that thing's not printing, it's costing that company money. So having a tool like that offline to do some analysis is, is really important. And so... It comes down to not chasing color on press and ultimately retoning inks, which... So that's actually really interesting. You kind of perked up my ears a little bit because I do have a analog tool basically that I can look inside the cells, look for damaged cells and things like that. But you're telling me I can very quickly and easily, let's say, put a software program on my laptop here, mm -hmm. go to a customer, scan their analogs, and, and it's going to tell me what the actual BCM volume in real time is? Yes. So analogs A... Do you scan that first to get the baseline? This is the brand new analogs. So, and then 
and then run it and then no i don't think so i think no. i think it's, it's no. taking so it's, it's not measuring yeah so uh yeah. most analogs engravers have this technology we encourage printers to get uh have the calibration of their camera to read the same as as their engraver's camera okay um so what what's happening is when they get brand new rolls they will uh, measure those rolls as they come in. Did did we get what we ordered? Okay. Right. Right. So they they'll typically do that uh, three places across the face of the roll and three places around um, to get to get okay. the data. Um, we've had customers that have these cameras reject rolls that had too much volume variance across the face of the roll. Right. Um, so it's a it's a tool to also did we get what we ordered. But it's also, you know, as you're running in daily production, um, and then it, it really exposes, are you really getting the ink out of the bottom of the cells? Oh, absolutely. That, that dovetails right. into our other products of FlexoClean, where we can custom engineer uh, cleaning solutions that will, you know, molecularly break down the chemistry of the ink and really make sure that we're getting to the bottom of the cells and getting that, that ink out. So most people think their cleaning method is good. And we'll bring in an analogs, you know, a Troika camera and kind of show them, like, tell me what you think this role is and we'll tell you what it really is. And sure. right. sometimes it's That'd very eye great. opening. That's, no, actually that's a great, great tool because I'm telling you right now, yeah, right, I think I, we this just is a one. nice introduction to the ACT <laughs> ink system because, you know, what we do a lot in our laboratory, I would say the majority of what our laboratory does is we have a large set of analogs and we set up and we do 2BCM, 3BCM, 4, 5, 6, 7, whatever it is, spot colors for our customers. And part of that is the ACT ink system. So there's formulation software out there, uh, like Ink Formulation 6, I can take, and you can measure a color that comes off a press, and then you can adjust it. But if I can walk into a customer, and then I can very quickly just scan all of their analogs and get what their true output is, mm -hmm. I can come back to my laboratory and scan, of course, my laboratory analogs and tie those up. So I can very easily turn around and say, okay, well, you're printing at approximately, your actual volume is somewhere around a 2.6, and then my actual volume of my 3.1, is somewhere around a 2.6. I can tie those together, and now all the formulations that I do for a customer right there is, is I know to use R3.1 because it, they're tracking at the same volumes. So my spot colors become much far more accurate, very specifically to their printing process and, and, and their printing press. We have ROI tools on that, so you know uh, it's got a less than one year payback based on ink savings and press uptime. Well, we talked about, we talked about uh, Flexo Engineer. Uh, flexo clean did we talk well you kind of mentioned it well with business business relationships business, business relationships relationship are there any other business relationships i see yeah. gray mills here yeah we're a distributor oh. of gray mills which you know in my experience in the industry gray mills an iconic uh, oh, yeah, industry right. name very well respected mm -hmm. uh, they are the we believe the premier option for ink pumping and filtration and and they, they do very well with their parts washers as well that they that okay. they make and sell. So, again, a distributor for gray mills. We are, yeah. Excellent. So you can walk into a press room. So let's say me and you walk in. You're setting up their analogs, making sure they uh, – I'm not the analogs, sorry. I guess we'll have to get Harper on the line. But uh, uh, you're setting up their doctor blades. Um, you're getting them correct on uh, all their – matched up with their analogs. You're making sure that they have the right pumps. You can service them in that point um, as far as – uh, defect flagging, so you have them in, in post print, mm -hmm. a safe a safe way to post print. And I noticed that when I was reading this that there's actually no limitations as to press speed because I've never seen a even a flexo press run at four thousand feet per minute. Right. So that thing's 
Very accurate. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, and then we have Troika systems, with which is, of course, our analogs uh, examinations. So. so do you guys clean analogs? We do not. Uh, okay. Not as a service, no. Okay. We, we will uh, come in and show you the effectiveness of our chemistry. Sure. Um, in hopes to to uh, supply that to you, but uh, we don't. Okay. We don't offer a cleaning service. So what's the turnaround time? A customer calls you and says, "Hey, we need help." Um, any part of the United States. What's the turnaround time from me calling you, uh, from me getting support in house? Um, generally, it's it's the availability of of uh, one, the regional tech reps, but uh, usually that that's no more than a week. Okay. Um, that they can they can fit somebody in, or I can pull. You know, if the need is is great and the opportunity is there, I can pull. You know, resources from from other parts of the country. And is this just like a it's a process? So you kind of go in and then you evaluate, you take your notes, and then you come back with what your product recommendations might be. Or do you do everything right there on the spot first visit? Yeah, for, first visit. I mean, uh, you know, but any good sales process starts with asking the right questions and listening. Right, really listening to what the customer's saying and getting that dialogue going to where we can really get to the pain of what's going on. Uh, and then we can apply our products. Uh, chances are we've probably already seen it somewhere else. But the trick is to not jump to conclusions because there might be a different uh, twist or turn with that. Sure. You know, it's hard in this industry to kind of paint with a broad brush because just when we think we have something nailed and figured out, sure. uh, we'll get a curveball out of customer. And, and that, you know, that, that'll kind of test our ability a little bit. What's a, scr- a scrap tracker? I know that's part of the flagging machine. What is a scrap tracker, and why is it beneficial? It's a, it's a piece of software that basically will keep, you know, a lot of companies want to know when you're printing for them how much waste did you have and what, you know, what caused that. You, you know, the big uh, companies, if you're in pharmaceutical or cert- certain markets, they want to know. Um, and, and, you know, let's just face it, it's, it's a competitive world out there. And these are the things that are being asked of printers, sure. right? What, what was your overrun? What was your waste? Why am I paying for, for that? Sure. Uh, show me a report, I see. you know, when you went uh, from good product to bad product, back to good. Right. So this just isn't, it's not just an operational thing where I can know like, okay, so it's, it flagged it. It said, hey, you know, you're, you're at defect material at this point, and then it's going to tell you. You just ran a thousand feet of bad material, right? So why am I paying actually, for it? Right. Why? It's so yeah, I mean, are asking these questions. Yeah, right? yeah, because uh, you know, just like the other reporting on color management, every every role. I I remember the place I worked. We did. They would log in to the press run when you were when you were running their stuff, and every role you had to read color, right? And they they had people online watching if you were in target. If you drifted out of target, they wanted to know how long did it take you to come back into target. Oh, so wow. you know that's that's kind of the world that we're in right now, where uh, the on- online capabilities of presses and being in virtually being in press rooms mm-hmm. um, and watching brand and product and. Okay, so are, do you have any new products that are coming out? Anything that we should know about? Anything that printers might be interested in in the future? Yeah, we we will have. Uh, Basically, three three new ads to our product line coming up this summer. Um, one will be a new product family uh, in the Dr. Blade category. One will be a press room product that will really help uh, change over and cleaning 
to get into the next job. Um, and um, another will be a piece of equipment uh, that we'll add to our portfolio. But the charter for Provident is to just continue to be narrowly focused on the things, uh, the wet end of the press, right? That's, that's how we talk. We don't want to be everything to everybody. Sure. You know, our parent company, Anderson Vreeland, sells a lot of things uh, to the industry. Um, and, you know, we're, we're really kind of like the, the, the specialist uh, in the armed forces, right? We, th- we think of ourselves as, you know, Green Berets or, you know, SEAL team for what we do. Right, we go in and we're very focused on those things. So, but uh, exciting time. Some of it will hit around uh, Label Expo, um, and, but you'll see the marketing of it all uh, come out, and uh, it'll all tie into, you know, what what we do, our message, our brand, um, and what we're good at. Well, good. There's always uh, exciting things that come out. A lot of companies bring new things out right around Label Expo time. So we'll we'll be paying attention to that and. Uh, you know, maybe we can have you back on the show once you've uh, revealed all those things. And so uh, his name is Andy Gillis. He's uh, with uh, Provident Group. Andy, work, work, how can people get a hold of you? Where, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. Our, our website um, has uh, contact information. We have a form uh, that you can we can get you to the right person. My email is, is A Gillis. That's A-G-I-L-L-I-S at ProvidentGRP.com. Uh, you can yeah, email me. Uh, otherwise, uh, all of our other contact information could be found on our website. And and uh, it's a great tool. I encourage everybody to kind of poke around on there. We, we've built a lot of content that we feel is, is uh, hits the right spots for today's uh, marketplace. And, um, and, you know, we hope to hear from you. That's great. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we do appreciate it. So, but before we take off here, um, we have some throwbacks to some previous episodes, I believe. Oh, you mean the one last thing? The one last thing. Yeah, we always have one last thing. <laughs> so, on uh, Andy, you don't even know what you're getting yourself into on this. Sure. But uh, we have to catch someone by surprise. Yeah, well, there's always got to be a surprise. <laughs> so, uh, in, in a previous, uh, and this has nothing to do with flexible packaging. I just think it was cool. In the previous podcast, we had mentioned the uh, Joseph Company International at West Coast Chill, who had came out with a a self-chilling aluminum can. That's right. Okay, so that I remember, and now I remember. Right. Because Uncle I was Dave, wondering if it was like a gas thing, so you twist it, right? Right. So, okay. you know, you, have you, Andy, ever been to a picnic? Yes. And, you know, you're there, and Uncle Bob was supposed to bring the ice, right? And you yeah. got a whole thing full of brewskis and uncle bob forgets the ice yeah well this solves this problem i mean these i mean this is a first world problem for sure but this obviously solves the problem so it's a twist can it uses co2 when you twist a can it automatically chills your beverage uh to the uh i don't know appropriate temperature it's 100 percent recyclable and uh Basically, 7-Eleven, so we kind of asked the question. So I was wondering why you brought it up. Yeah, so right. So what's the, what's the deal? Right. So on May 8th, a leading, a leading convenience store uh, retailer, 7-Eleven, debuted the self-chilling cans for its new Physics Sparkling Cold Brew Coffee, available at 15 stores in Los Angeles area. Uh, it allows the customers to enjoy a cold beverage whenever they want to drink it. So put it in your backpack. You're on your way to the office. You're riding on the L. You're like, 
it's hot. That's interesting. So they're kind of doing like a little test market there. They're doing a little test market. And we're going to find out if uh, we're going to let the market decide if this is going to be something that we're all going to get on board with. Well, that, sure. Right. I mean, it solves uh, solves a couple problems. So does it instant, like how long does it take to make your beverage cold? It makes it. So the chill can is 100% recyclable. Self-chilling technology uses CO2 that is recapturing from the atmosphere. And it does it in 90 seconds. So 90 seconds, you'll have a cool beverage. Yes. Now, how much more am I paying for this product to have this little thing on there? Well, I think it's pretty much in line here because, well, first of all, the majority of the cost of something is in the packaging. But uh, this particular cold brew is made with 100% Arabica beans uh, and sells for $3.99 and comes in three flavors, regular, French vanilla, and caramel. So it's an iced coffee. All right, for three ninety nine. So can I get one that's room temperature, twist it, and I have a hot cup of coffee? That's no. that what I'd be into. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm just here about the self-chill can. I don't know what else to tell you. All right. So coming to a 7-Eleven near you, cold brew on demand. Who would have thought? I mean, if I would have told my, my grandparents that we'd be drinking bottled water and we could do that, I mean, that's right. – it's uh, – you know, it's it's a great time to be. Great be time to be an American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All That's right, it. Guys. That's my la- one last thing. That works. All right. Well, thank you, Andy, for joining our show. I encourage our listeners to head on over to Providence website uh, and get a hold of Andy's team. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about this podcast or any topic, uh, please contact us at interactiveinks.com. Uh, We love when people participate and get involved. If we don't have the answers, we will certainly try and find someone who does and hopefully get that individual to come on the show and answer your questions directly. Thank you again for listening and uh, make it a great day.